to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together, share dreams together, have adventures together, and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And if you want lesbian dating advice on a more frequent basis, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. But before we go any further, I have a question. What would you do if you were born and raised in a place where it's literally against the law to be gay? I get emails all the time from women all around the world who live in countries where they can't be open about their sexuality. This makes finding love exponentially harder. Since I've never been in that position, I wanted to get advice from someone who has. That's why I was so excited to talk to Bandy Kiki, a Cameroonian-born LGBT activist, entrepreneur, and YouTuber who shared with me her story of growing up knowing she was queer despite that it wasn't allowed. You can find Kiki on Instagram, at Bandy Kiki, but before you do, keep listening for my conversation with her here. Kiki, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so grateful. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so can we just get started with you talking about what you're doing and what you're doing on YouTube and how you got started? Well, I am Bandi Kiki. I am a Cameroonian LGBTQ activist. I am an entrepreneur as well. Um, I started off online as a blogger, a publisher of Kinaka's blog. Um, also founder of Kinaka TV, but that just ran for a year. And from there, I moved on to um, activism after coming out as a lesbian, you know, online. And I have also then done some um, charity work. At the moment, I am a trustee for three charities here in the UK. And um, yeah, I've also done things, maybe like campaigns around fibroid awareness, Civica uh, cancer awareness because I had fibroids. My mom died of civica cancer, so um, which inspired that. I've also done things around blood donation camp uh, campaigns because when I had a fibroid, I had to I had to receive blood. So I just found that a bit inspiring, and I wondered if somebody didn't donate the blood, I wouldn't have had any, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that's all I do at the moment. Well, that's a lot. Um, I really want to get into hearing about the entrepreneurial endeavors that you're into. And of course, what these charities are, it, you said it's cancer, cervical cancer, fibroid, and then blood donation. Are all the three charities involved in medical stuff? Oh, no, no, no. I am a trustee for three charities in the UK. These charities are LGBTQ charities. I don't know if I was very clear. So um, one of them is uh, Rainbow Migration. Rainbow Migration is a charity that supports um, people through the asylum system here in the UK, queer people. 
through the asylum system in the UK. Then you have Living Free UK. Uh, Living Free UK sort of like uh, validates uh, the lived experiences of queer Africans and other minorities um, here in the UK. And then you also have Black Beetle Health. Um, on the other hand, I talked about work that I've done or campaigns that I've done around speaker cancer, uh, blood donation campaign and fibroid. Yeah, it's so amazing. These are such important things. I really want to hear more about the asylum work because it's so important for queer people who are living in places where they're not allowed to be queer mm -hmm. to be given a vehicle for coming to countries where they are safe to live free. How did how does that work? Do people how do you reach the people who most need it? Um unfortunately, rainbow migration only supports people who are already in the UK. Queer people who are already in the UK and within that trying to seek asylum. So they've already gotten there and their asylum ap asylum application is pending. So they're there and they're waiting to see whether or not they're going to be allowed to stay and then you help them with their asylum applications. Yes. That's yes. beautiful. Yeah. Um, as a lot of you uh, listening might know, uh, unfortunately, in a country like Cameroon, where I'm from, and Nigeria and Ghana and um, across other African countries, um, being queer is um, illegal and sometimes uh, punishable by death in some parts of Nigeria. So um, unfortunately, people or people like myself who want to live openly and free would have to then seek uh, refuge in other countries, for example, the UK or the US or other countries where it's legal. It's, it's honestly so terrifying. It's hard to even fathom. Did you, were you living in Cameroon when you knew you were queer? How did, how did this, how did it work for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I was in Cameroon and I found out I was queer and I was a Catholic Christian, you know, baptized in the Catholic church. And my, I think my first knowledge around uh, homosexuality was in church. It was introduced to me as a sin. So when I then found out that, oh yeah, you know what the uh, priests have been talking about? <laughs> You're going to hell. It was very terrifying for me. And then came the, um, you know, I became aware of the laws as well. Uh, five years imprisonment and fine. And uh, it really terrified me. Then, um, obviously, knowing what the environment is like, um, how hostile it is against uh, members of the LGBTQ community, I kept my relationship very private. It was on a, a need-to-know basis. And um, it was also, it then also happened that we only had to express ourselves behind closed doors. I mean, um, People are not very open with kisses as they are in the Western world, in Africa, across Africa anyways. Um, so it would be strange to see somebody like that, but it wouldn't be more, it would even be much more uh, difficult to see somebody, uh, same-sex couples kissing outside. So yeah. How do you even meet someone in an environment where it's illegal to date? I mean... Um, back in the days, I mean, you was on word from out, is that how it's called? My English word of mouth, word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you'd have to rely on other people telling you that this person is gay, which are community members telling you that, by the way, that this person is part of the community or you, you have to uh, rely on your gay, there, your vibe, the vibe around that person. Um, in my case, what I would then do is to not exactly tell the girl that I like her, but do things for her that would um, show that I'm not just wanting to be a friend. You know, I want something more. And if she liked me back, 
maybe she, uh, she would just be like, oh yeah, you know, she she likes me. And sometimes people would just think you're just trying to be a good friend. And no, I'm not. I'm trying to get to know you, um, get to be in a relationship with you. With you. Um, however, these days you have um, support group uh, support groups on the internet. You have um, also uh, LGBT charities that have emerged in the last 10 years. Um, you also have people, for example, like myself, I do post on my Instagram page, if you're single and searching, you know, comment or DM, and I would be able to link you up to somebody. I, I do that on TikTok as well. Yeah, I always like trying to introduce as many queer people as I can, but I've never lived in an environment like what you're describing where you could go to prison for five years and have a fine or, and especially if you're told you're going to hell. So even if you're, and it's so confusing anyway, right? Someone saying, Oh, does she like me as a friend or does she like me, like me? But when you're introducing this environment of illegality and that level of fear, it makes it even more confusing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It it does. It does. And Again, you're, it's not like in the Western world or in some Western countries, the US, UK, where you can walk up to somebody and say, I like you. And you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be, uh, your safety wouldn't be an issue. Back home, you're worried about that as well. Um, you're worried about um, go, asking the wrong person out. Does that make sense? Absolutely, because they could turn you in. Yeah. yeah. And ruin your reputation and ruin your life. Yeah. So love becomes so complicated. Yeah, not just that as well. I think there's also been uh, cases of blackmail where somebody finds out that you're gay or you're a lesbian or bisexual or trans, and what they tend to do is to take the things from you. You know, if you don't tell, if you don't do this for me, if you don't do that, if you don't give me money, I'm going to tell everyone that you're gay. Yeah, that's a huge tax on our community. Yes. Yeah. And then you can imagine so many of the women that might otherwise be queer or be comfortable with a lifestyle like that, they'll never come out because of fear or not even assuming that it might be them. Yeah. So uh, it makes, makes things so much harder. Are there any ways of reaching people there and helping them get asylum to countries where it's safer? Are there organizations that work for people that are still living in dangerous places like that? Well, um, there are organizations, but uh, most organizations only put in the work when you're already in the country where you want to seek asylum. Um, I only know about uh, Railroad, Rainbow Railroad. I don't know if that's the exact name. In I think the organization is in Canada that actually helps people who are trying to escape from their country to another country. So I don't know any other organization that does uh, the whole transition. Um, yeah, to be honest, I don't think I know anyone. So then what a person would then have to do is when they get to the other country, apply for asylum once they're there. Yeah, I mean, people have used different methods. People, people sometimes they leave, uh, they come to study. Some people um, find work. You know, there are a lot of African expatriates as well. Um, yeah, some people try to travel through the both. You've, you've heard, I think you've heard a lot about that happening. People dying um, in the sea and all that. But yeah, yeah, that's so tragic. It's it's unbelievable. Do you have any advice if you were to speak to all the world full of people that are living in places where it's not safe or it's illegal uh, or you could be blackmailed or what advice would you give? I think I would like to start with people who live in places where it's safe. You know, I would like to say that um, just because you're safe doesn't mean the rest of the world is safe. 
And sometimes we forget because um, I've seen how pride is run in the UK and other parts of the world where it's illegal, where it's legal to be gay. And whilst they are arguing about, I'm not saying that words and um, um, visibility is not important. It is important. But you also have to know that other people are fighting for their lives, you know. Um, I think it would be what we can do for people like, uh, for people in Cameroon or Nigeria or Ghana is to use our voices and platform to, to, to highlight what is happening. For people in, in Cameroon, Nigeria and um, Kenya, um, I think we should prioritize safety. I have a lot of young people have come up to me and say, I want to come out Kiki, but I still live in my parents' house and I'm still in school. And it's, it would be easy for me to just say, oh yeah, come out, you know, um, you, you live your truth. But then again, um, what happens after you come out? Because a lot of parents disown kids. So one thing I always say is think about your financial situation. Are you able to look after yourself? Maybe, for example, now there's a, there's a girl who came up to me and said she's in the last year of uni, but she wants to come out. I'm like, you only have the last year of uni left. Uh, finish your uni, because if you come out, you don't know what can happen. Finish your uni when you're independent and can get a job, then you can come out. You know. Um, the other thing as well that I would say is safety, safety, safety. Think about where you are. Think about the environment where you are. Uh, think about the people that you have around you. Are they going to 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 um, self-harm, sorry, harm you? You know, so think about that uh, because we've had is, is, uh, incidents of corrective rape where somebody comes out and where a lesbian comes out and is raped by men saying we want to change our sexuality. So we've had incidents like that. So think about your safety. Um, the other one is to, um, which again, I wish I knew this before I came out, is to create uh, a support system around you before you come out. You're going to need that. Create a support system of people who already know that you're queer, of, of people who already, who support people like yourself. You understand? It could be organizations, it could just be friends, um, it could be a family member, but you have to, you need that before you come out. Because when you come out, it's going to be uh, very traumatic, actually with um, the high rates of rejection. You know, you make a really good point. It's so easy in the West, so easy in New York or London or San Francisco to say, oh, live your truth, come out. And, you know, for us, it is important in New York and San Francisco and London to come out for those other people in the places where it's not safe. But for anyone who's in a place where it's not safe, you're right, we have to prioritize safety, you know, having the support systems, making sure that no one's going to hurt you and making sure that you're financially able to get to a place where you can take care of your life in the event that, you know, your family doesn't know how to accept it. I want to chime in there. I want to say that I want to be very clear that queer Africans have always been very accepting of queer people. Unfortunately, we had colonization and um, things changed. Across different ethnic groups in Africa, uh, gender was not as rigid as is as in the West. Um, for example, in the Dagaba tribe of Ghana, gender was based on energy as opposed to anatomy. You understand? And in some tribes across Africa, women were allowed to marry men, and some men who were uh, who um, presented as women were allowed to 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 marry men and do things that were well, allowed to marry men and do things a housewife would normally do. So unfortunately, due to that change and in, of, of course introduction of religion as well, we've had to 
you know, deal with what we now we now have uh, at the moment. And um, in, in in a lot of countries, um, the laws, the anti-LGBT laws, are um, a hangover of colonization, which means there were laws that were put in place by Britain, France, and other colonizers, um, which um, the, the the current government is just up, upholding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, bad ideas that came from the outside. And it's also really interesting when you talk about tribes that um, where gender was more fluid, where it was totally accepted for a man to, or for someone born with male anatomy to fully live as a woman and marry another man and carry out the chores of a housewife. When you hear people saying, oh, it's not natural, it's not normal. Well, in this place, it is natural. You know, in some places, just the way that humans evolved in their natural environment, that is exactly what happened. And it's also really beautiful to see examples of that in other parts of the world. So although, of course, it sucks that our bad ideas, even as France and Britain evolved past those things, the consequences of, of their colonization is still being felt way harsher than it even is in their own homes, which very unfair. Yep, yep. So how old were you when you came out and were able to leave? Oh, I came out in the UK. I came out um, in 2017. I can't remember how old I am. I'm 30 now. So please, somebody help with the maths. <laughs> That's great. And you were already in the UK. So you took your own advice. You got to safety, right? Yeah. And you were in a place where you were financially uh, stable enough and safe enough to be able to do that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And then what was that like for you? Well, hmm. It was it was a, a difficult experience. It was a, a, an overwhelming experience. Um, when I came out, a top Cameroonian um, producer came out to say that he would rip the spirit of lesbianism out of me if I ever said food in Cameroon, um, which a lot of people cheered on. Um, some very um, brave women stood up to him and called him out. I also had, because um, I came out again when I had Kanaka's blog, so I had a very huge audience at the time. And people that um, used my platform to place adverts, and that's like small, medium enterprises, they stopped picking my calls. Um, um, I couldn't get through to them. Some of them said, I'm not homophobic, but the effects or the fallout of you coming out would then rub onto me, like, like I'm supporting homosexuals, obviously. Um, I also... There were things were said within family within the family that uh, ugly things were said um, at the time as well. But um, I am happy that somebody introduced me to to um, some of the queer people in the African community, and they helped me a lot mentally. Because again, um, sometimes when you have support from um, a different community, a community that is much more individualistic. The support, the language is a bit different. The assumptions are a bit different. Like, oh, forget about them. Just block everyone. But I can't. I had a communal upbringing. I'm used to having people around me. I'm used to having family around me. So having somebody who understood that system, who had the same upbringing as myself, talk to, talk to me uh, through um, the, the whole uh, ordeal really helped. But yeah. And that's why it's so important that you have your YouTube channel, that you do your blogging, because as you say, getting advice, if you're someone within the African community, taking advice from me, uh, you know, a New Yorker, Jewish, grew up in a family that's liberal, it's not going to be the same as speaking to someone whose family reacted in a similar way where you have the same assumptions. It's so important to do what you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
that's why I had the, that's why I created the channel in the first place to have conversations in a way that um, uh, people like myself could understand and obviously um, a similar lived experiences. Um, before then, when I went on YouTube, the th people, I mean, people said a lot of smart things, but the things didn't necessarily align with my own lived experience. Um, again, like I said, sometimes people are like, oh, come out, block everybody, don't listen. Okay, let me tell you a story. So I was seeing this girl and uh, my grandma, I think it was my granddad or grandmother who passed. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm getting so many messages from back home and it's really stressing me. Um, she was a Scottish girl and white Scottish girl. And she was like, oh, they're really just bothering you. Why don't you just block all of them? And I was, I was like, what? What are you saying? Because um, again, she had an individualistic upbringing. I have a communal upbringing. And in a way you have to be able to endure that sort of thing. That's what you do for families, isn't it? Uh, even because it's momentary, people are stressed out, people are seeing a lot of things. So you, you have to be able to work with them, thinking of family as opposed to just you as an individual. And um, I think that sat with me and I was like, well, I can't just block my family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it showed me how different we were in some ways, even though we connected in other ways. It's true. I mean, look, we're a world full of people and we're all human. And there are some ways where we're going to totally, our hearts will totally understand each other and we can totally connect and laugh and love and share all of that. Yeah. But on the other hand, we come from totally different places. And the way that my mom is going to react from something compared to the way your mom is going to react about us, the same thing, it's totally different. And at sometimes we just need to, to be talking to someone who understands where we're coming from. And it's, that's what's so beautiful about what you're creating. I mean, I would have people reaching out to me when I first started my channel saying, you know, people from Africa, people from the Philippines, people from places where, again, where it's illegal, where you're not allowed to be open and out. And I never, I, I don't know how to help, you know, uh, and it broke my heart because, and it's, I, that's what I love when I discovered your channel and see what you're talking about and what you're doing. It's, it's just so important and so beautiful. I think it's it's good for me to emphasize that even though we're all different, we can still help each other in a way. Um, sometimes just listening to somebody goes a long way. Sometimes simply saying, oh, yeah, I know Kiki. Kiki can help goes a long way. Just having that understanding that, yeah, this person is going through something. I might not be able to understand it all or know the details of it, but I, I see this or I, I, I can feel their pain. I think that helps sometimes as well. And that's also part of that communal mentality that I think people with a more individualistic mentality sometimes forget, right? The amount of strength that we can just get from another person yeah. who just looks in our eyes and smiles at us and tells us it's going to be okay. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. I agree. That's so cool. So so were you dating so were you dating women before you came out or when you came out was that your first experience with everything? Oh, no, no, no. I've been dating women. <laughs> I think, I used to think when I when, when I come out, I would date more women. But I think I, I, I did a lot of dating in the closet more than I'm doing now. Yeah. In some ways, is that more exciting because you're bad and you don't want to get caught and there's that added sense of adventure? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I miss those days, to be honest, when I was sneaking around with people. <laughs> now I have to do it openly. <laughs> but yeah, I think I have to do it openly. But I'm just saying that um, I... I had more fun. It is. There's something when you're being bad. There's something exciting about that. I never dated women when I was in the closet. I came out before even, you know, kissing a woman. Um, with one. It's weird, but most people don't. So I never got to have that sort of 
bad girl adventure phase. Well, well, well. To be honest, I, I would put down a lot of it to being young, being a bit younger. You know, less responsibilities, um, more about having fun rather than looking for a wife, you know, and less people don't know your business. So they're not telling you they're going to go to hell. So you're just dating somebody. You know at the back of your mind, obviously, that people wouldn't agree with it, but you're just doing it for yourself. You know? And even in Cameroon, you were able to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so nice. Um, so what's your favorite things about dating women? I think I'm going to be very naughty here. I think the, the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. You're a boob girl. Everybody knows. <laughs> That's good. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. Boom. I love it. Yeah. So what do you think the biggest challenges are in your experience for women meeting each other and, and getting together and having good relationships? I think is, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if to write it down to patriarchy or patriarchy. I don't, I never get that word right. <laughs> Pronounce it right. I think women, even though we're lesbians, we're still waiting for another person to ask us out as opposed to doing the asking out. I don't know if that makes sense. So even when you introduce a group of women and they're like, oh, I'm single, I'm single, but nobody's asking anybody out. Nobody's reaching out to say, oh, let's go out and have a drink for food or a drink. You know, um, I found I find that a bit hard and um, weird. What do you think it is socially, like fear of rejection? Do you think it's a social, like the way we're socialized? Or do you think it's a genetic thing with women? What do you think? I think it's social conditioning. In a way, women are not, um, women wait for people to ask them out. Even when you're a, a lesbian, sometimes you just, um, because we can't say that because we're lesbians, we're not affected by the heteronormative society. You understand? We still have that effect on us. Um, maybe when we socialize with other people, I don't know. But I, I think it should, it can be written down to, to, it can be written down to that. The other thing as well is, yeah. Fear of rejection, obviously. Everybody's afraid to, 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 um, of rejection. Another thing I would, I would assume is how small the community is. So sometimes you introduce people and they know who that person went out with and they know that person's ex or things like that. So people get a bit like, mm, I don't want to get into that entanglement. But we, we all end up doing that, don't we? Isn't it? It's impossible to avoid it. So many of my exes have slept with each other. It's oh, hard wow. to keep track at this point. <laughs> I hate that. I hate it so much. If I find out that a girl I'm trying to ask how to slept with somebody that I know, it, it puts me off in a way. But yeah, well, that's one of those things like you talked about with your community. It's one of those things we have to learn to live with the same way, you know, it, it's a different kind of communal living that we just have to learn to accept. Yeah, 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 I agree. And sometimes it's really funny. But you know what's interesting? Um, it's it, I agree with you about the heteronormative ways that we still in some ways even though we're dating another woman, there are certain heteronormative patterns that we, it's just, it's just how we see relationships play out. We don't know what else to emulate. And I think that does affect us. But I think sometimes also when I first dating women or when I was first trying to meet women, it reminded me of being in middle school or high school, just trying to understand how to work through groups of girls. And I think girl groups have their own dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I don't want to use the word catty. <laughs> right? You know, or clicky or catty or all that stuff, right? Yeah. So then you have to deal with that. And then 
So in some ways, there's just the, the interesting ways that girls relate to each other. And then on top of that, the same-sex attraction and relationships inside of it. I think it's a funny dynamic. I've always found it fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. I think what has what surprised me a lot within the lesbian community is the uh, femme shaming, you know, um, I didn't know that we would have this issue and apparently uh, gay guys as well uh, suffer from it. Um, where some people have, I don't know how to say this without <laughs> offending somebody, but some people have want to assert dominance in a way that they tend to look down on femininity, if that makes sense. Um, in a way that when it has created a new form of homophobia within the community, where when you see two masculine representing women together, I had somebody say, ooh, that's so gay. And I'm like, where are you? Are you not in the lesbian community? What do you mean that's so gay? So so it's when you say femme shaming, you mean the femmes shaming the others or the others shaming the femmes? Or just different, different types shaming each other within the community? Femme shaming is um, like um, treating a feminine representing woman as a man would treat a woman in the patriarchal community. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. And then the couple that were both more masculine presenting? Both masculine presenting, yeah. And that has their own sort of ways that people are looking down on them? Yes. Because we're we're trying to, I don't know, but in in some ways, or in where I've interacted, I'm not saying the whole community, but from my experience, we are trying to um, mimic or mirror heterosexual relationships. Um, There has to be a masculine representing one and a feminine representing one. And when that um, sort of understanding is, when that sort of dynamic is not present, for example, you see two masculine representing women, then be like, ooh, that's so gay. I had that from a lesbian, by the way. And I was like, what's so gay about it? They're not two women. And then um, you also have, um, can we swear on this podcast? Sure. <laughs> you, you also have four girls who assert a lot of dominance and um, would want to treat women the way a man in you know would treat a woman in a patriarchal community if that makes sense now i'm not i'm not um questioning the dynamics of what people try to do amongst themselves as a couple i'm i'm sort of like shining a light on 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 a behavior pattern within the community that's harming other people of what other people in the community for example the two masculine women um dating each other and having to deal with homophobia from within the lesbian community yeah and same with two feminine women together they'll say oh this isn't going to work because you know who's going to be the more masculine one and then like you say with the fuck girls which i guess you're saying kind of women who are just trying to what seduce other women into sleeping with them even if they're not interested in more just kind of being like a player yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in every community, we, we have that. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if if this has been your experience as well. I've also experienced when two feminine women are dating each other and you have always, you have like this masculine representing woman as inserting herself within the space because she, in a way they don't take it too serious. I don't know if that is just within the black community or or it's happening in other lesbian um, communities as well. Yeah, no, I think I know what you're talking about. 
And it's interesting just because what's so interesting about being a lesbian, because when, when you're straight or in the heteronormative community, there's sort of one way of doing things, right? It's the way that everyone's done things throughout history and it's pretty basic. Yeah. But once we're queer, there's so many different ways we can be. You know, you could be feminine dominant, you could be butch and dominant, you could be, you know, you could be any number of things. You could be a player, you could be, you know, there's so many different things that could play out and suddenly so many options. And, and the more beautiful thing is if we would just all let each other express the way we want to express without this shaming, without this judging, without coming in and hurting other people, either with insults or with, you know, like with the fuck girls that you were talking about, maybe not, not giving other people the respect that they deserve. I, I think it, what I'm trying to say here is that uh, there is more than one way of being queer. There's more than one way of being a lesbian. There's more, more than one way of... Uh, my relationship doesn't have to have a, a woman, a masculine-represented woman and a feminine-represented woman. And even if it has, it, it, I, I don't have to expect that from other people as well. Uh, and, and two masculine women can date and two feminine women can date. So without the shaming and the homophobia that goes on, like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, we're such an interesting community with so much, so many dynamics to it. And I think actually what's interesting is as the, even the heteronormative community is stepping into the new possibilities of gender presentation and all this different stuff, they'll probably be going through what our community goes through, where everyone has a million different ways they can present and a million different options and... We'll see how the rest of the world handles it uh, as things move forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, that, that I, to be honest, in some ways, the LGBT plus community is also influencing um, the heteronormative uh, community in a sense that um, before you had one way of what a woman is supposed to be like um, and, and, and what a man's role within the family is and things like that. But things are changing, isn't it? One, that one is down to maybe influence from the LGBT plus community. Another is down to uh, feminism, you know, changing the narrative and all that. Yeah, we're really leading the way. It's very cool. It's very cool. So in terms of relationships that lesbians have, what do you think are some of the biggest opportunities, the best things about queer relationships and some of the biggest challenges of queer relationships from your perspective? Um, I think the opportunities or the advantages of being a lesbian, <laughs> like I would say, um, is you, you, because as a woman as well, you understand another woman's mindset, isn't it? Uh, much more better than the opposite sex. Um Sometimes, you know, in other times, you can share clothes. <laughs> I don't know if other people do that. Yes. Um, also, I don't know about other people, but the boobs. <laughs> boobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, and then also the lack of, um, you don't have to have a gender role. So you don't have to follow some sort of system. You decide what you want to do within your relationship. You know, so I like that. Um, obviously, the disadvantage is, again, um, the expectation. Even though we are in same-sex relationships, a part of the queer community is trying to mimic um, straight relationships, which is becoming a bit problematic, like I said. Um, the other thing is how small the community is. The other disadvantage is how small the community is and how hard it is to meet new people who are not necessarily linked to your ex or your ex's ex. You know, I guess another um, disadvantage is the fact that 
um, because we live in a society, especially in an African community, people don't respect lesbian relationships. I don't know. Again, it's down to how the society is set up. Um, yeah, I think those are the advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, I think you're right about the the advantages, like women sharing more of an understanding of each other can make yeah. such a really beautiful foundation for for understanding and friendship. I think that's really beautiful. And, and of course, sharing sharing clothes. And I think you're right that because we're in this unique situation, our relationships has, have more possibilities. There's more, it's, it's way more freeing if we want it to be. But I also think you're right that because we live in this heteronormative society, a lot of people grew up still wanting those same things, the marriage, the kids. And in some ways, that's great in places where you can have that. It's nice in, in places like New York where we are allowed to get married and, have, and start a family. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's cool that in some places we can. But I wonder how much of – does everyone who do that do it because it's really what's best for them or is it just because of the expectations that they're trying to follow? So I think you make a good point. Um, well, I think, to be honest, I always feel like, um, because of, for humanity to be able to continue, you know, we, we all have been, we all have been given this doctrine of, you have to have kids, you have to have children. So even if you're straight gay, you know, you have to contribute towards that, making sure that humanity continues, isn't it? So I guess, again, it goes back to families, um, how family works, how families work as well. Um, what people think should be the best possible situation for kids growing up, two parents, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think everyone feels the instinct to want to reproduce? Because I never felt like I really myself need to have kids, but I have other friends that really want kids. I don't think everyone has the instinct. I don't think so. Um, I, I think, again, you know, people want different things, isn't it? Like saying that everybody wants to have a child is like saying, Almost saying everybody, um, everybody likes chocolate is straight or everybody's straight. Yeah. 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 So no, I don't think everybody wants to have kids. I don't think all mothers like their kids, even though a lot of them pretend to do, (laughs) you know, I don't think, I don't think everybody wants to get married, but then again, the pressure, the society, you know, they'll pressure you to, into thinking about these things, into thinking there's something wrong with you just because you don't have those instincts, you know, but yeah, I don't think so. And I think another thing you really brought up that's important too is um, when a lesbian relationship gets less respect or if a lesbian couple within the family is treated like as if that couple matters less than maybe, you know, if if there's a family and there's one sister has a wife and the other sister has a husband, the, the, the husband wife couple might be given a little bit more respect or their couple, their partnership might be taken a little bit more seriously. I think that is a problem for people within their families. You bring up a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we in the society that we live in, men are put in on a pedestal, isn't it? So, um, because somebody's married to a man, uh, have, have more respect. It's, it's, in some ways, I even think um, gay guys get more respect than lesbian relationships, to be honest. I don't know if it's just me, but I, I, I think that way. And I would say this because I have had homophobic people come up to me and say, oh, yeah, it's just two men. I'm not, I don't mind. But when they see two gay guys together, it's a different... Uh, situation altogether i mean in some ways it's helped towards um violence you know uh, against the lgbt plus community women suffer less than men but it also then means that our relationships are not respected as you know as the others yeah i think it's different in different ways i think in some ways gay men have it a little bit harder 
I think that men feel more homophobia against other gay men, and there's more anger and aggression from the male heterosexual community towards gay men, maybe. Whereas lesbians, it's like, ooh, that's hot, that's sexy. So in yeah. that way, lesbians have it a little easier because men think it's sexy. Mm -hmm. But I, but then men get to be men. So in a patriarchal society, like you point out, where men earn more money and get and have things a little bit easier in other ways, uh, in those situations, gay men might have it quite a bit easier. Do you have any other thoughts on the queer female community that you want to share? Um, <clears throat> what do I want to share? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I guess because of the nature of your podcast, isn't it? Um, you talked about um, women find, trying to find love. And love or friendship or having better lives, whatever you want to share that can help someone have a better life. Yes, I, I want to I want to really say something on that. I think sometimes we we, we wait, we sit around waiting. When is somebody going to come? When is somebody when am I going to find somebody? When am I going to find that perfect job? When am I going to get more friends? When am I going to lose weight? Then I dress a bit better. I think a lot of that waiting is what causes the sadness. And a lot of that waiting as well can be what, why, the reason why you're not finding somebody. If you're out there living your best life, enjoying yourself, having fun, people are naturally attracted to people like that. People are naturally attracted to somebody who's enjoying themselves and having fun, not somebody who's sit, sitting down and waiting. You know. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, well, when I when I get a girlfriend, I want to visit. Um, I want to go on this holiday. I want to maybe visit Santorini or another or Zanzibar. Please do visit Zanzibar with somebody. We can, you can even go on a solo holiday as well. Do it. Do it. Your, do it with your for yourself, not for somebody. When somebody finds you in that place, you guys can. When somebody finds you in that journey, you guys can continue from there. You don't have to wait for them to be part of you before you do fun things for yourself. Um, for somebody like me, I've struggled with weight and. Um, I I just recently caught myself not dressing up because I I wanted to dress up only when I've lost the weight. I wanted to buy nice things only when I've lost the weight. And I'm not losing the weight. It's not happening, <laughs> you know, as fast as I want it to happen. But now I've said to myself, you know what, Kiki, you're going to look good. You know, you're going to, to, to show up those belly fats, roll them around. <laughs> and... There's somebody out there who doesn't mind, who doesn't see you, who doesn't see the fat, who just sees you and how how much fun you're having and attracted to that energy, you see. So um, please stop waiting. Stop waiting for the perfect moment. Stop waiting for the perfect person. Do things for yourself. Be happy, you know. Yeah, have fun and be happy. Like what what can we do today to have fun and be happy and look our best with whatever we've got, whatever that happens to be for ourselves. There's no reason to wait. Yeah. Um, and if we get out and do that right now, there's going to be people who are attracted to that. Nothing needs to change in ourselves in order to have fun and be happy and rock what we got, whatever we got right now. And that's the yeah. best path to attracting love and finding happiness. That's great advice. Yeah. I think it's really important. And for those in relationships as well, because it's not just people who are single, they're not happy. Absolutely. People can be in relationships and very lonely and sad. I, I, I know for, for a fact that there are a lot of people now listening to this who are not exactly happy with their relationships, who um, are not being treated well in their relationships. 
but they're afraid of starting all over again. You know, they're worried about, am I going to be able to find somebody if I leave this person? What if, what if, what if? One of the things I always say to friends is leave because you deserve better and not because you somebody out there is waiting for you. You understand? So in a way that even if you don't get somebody better, you know that you didn't settle. So leave because you know you deserve better. And um, some people are frightened by saying, oh, if I leave now, another person would come. I've heard a lot of women say that if I leave, another person would come and, you know, date this person and it'd be all amazing. And yeah, they can be good for that person, but not good for you. And somebody can be a good person and not good for you as well. So if you're not happy in the relationship, it doesn't matter what people are saying around you, please do leave. Yeah, and don't stick around with the wrong person because you're afraid someone else is going to go take that person. It's better exactly. if they get taken because they were wrong for you. So it's okay. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. You've had it. I've had. I've heard. Um, this was a heterosexual friend, um, staying in a in an abusive relationship because she was like, um, the guy kept throwing around saying, oh, um, women want me. You'd be replaced in a day. But and she kept staying. She 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 bought into that. The guy is not good for her. It's not good for her. If, other, if another person wants to take that, then that's good for them. But it's just, it's not good for her. So yeah, yeah. But what about in places where, you know, I can understand it being look in in Britain in the United States, break up with someone. It's easier to be trusting that someone else is going to come along. But I can also understand the fear if you're living in a place like Cameroon where you're not even allowed to tell anyone that you're a lesbian. It's even scarier. So do you have advice? for how to face that fear that you're, that someone else isn't going to come along for you? Advice for people who are in harder, where it's harder to meet women? Yes. And um, to be honest, thank you very much for asking this question because a lot of women who stay in abusive relationships or in relationships that are not good for them are these women who feel like um, it's, too, it's too small. If I leave, I won't be able to find somebody. And how will I even know somebody else is, is a lesbian? One thing I would say is that if you're listening to this, you definitely have internet, isn't it? Open yourself up to to people from other parts of the world. Um, you never know what will happen, to be honest. Um, open yourself to to maybe other friendships because it's not just about relationships, um, love relationship, isn't it? Sometimes friendships can be as fulfilling as having a girlfriend or having a boyfriend. So again, or it could um, lead to a whole new group of people where then you'll find your girlfriend or boyfriend. Exactly. Exactly. So. That fear, that fear that is holding you back is not the best. And I understand the fear because I know what it is like to be in a place where um, you don't know anybody. You're the only person you know is your ex, <laughs> you know. So I, I understand that. But open yourself up. Come online. Um, there are a lot of support groups. There are also a lot of um, LGBT plus organizations as well in Cameroon and across other African countries. I, I think I'm going to leave my email or at least my yeah, your website, anything, everything. You can share everything. Yes. So you can connect with me. I'm happy to connect with you as well. They have events. You can meet people there. Um, strike up friendships and all that. But yeah. Yeah, it's really important. Do you want to talk about your entrepreneurial endeavors? Do you want to talk about your companies or the work that you're doing entrepreneurially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can talk about that. Um, so I have... A Shopify shop. I sell apparel inspired by LGBT and African uh, history. You know, in some ways, creating that uh, particular shop was to to use fashion as some sort of activism, because again, due to um, our, Africa's colonial history, um, there's a conversation that homosexuality is un-African. 
which is in fact uh, a myth because homosexuality is very much African. So uh, mixing African queerness and African uh, history is some sort of um, activism. Then I also created a um, consulting platform um, where I sort of like digital marketing, manage, I also manage um, social media, um, sorry, Instagram pages and the rest of it. By the way, everything is just all slow at the moment um, because of other things that I'm doing. Yeah, but it's so great. And that's really interesting uh, about your Shopify store combining um, African history as well as LGBT activism and the idea that queerness is African. It's human. Queerness is human. And so, yeah, I love that. That's very cool. And where can people find that? Well, I would leave everything with you so you can share with them. Yeah. Uh, would you want to just say the link, say what the link is, and um, and then I'll link to it on the bottom? Uh, www.remclan.com. Remclan.com. Great. Yeah, and I'll have links below to everything, as well as the charities, anything you want to leave links for. Um, if you're an LGBTQ person here in the UK and you need support through the asylum system, you can v- visit Rainbow Migration. You can Google that, you'll be able to come up. Also, if you are an LGBT uh, African as well, and you need um, people with similar lived experience, um, you can also be part of Living Free um, UK. And again, if you come on to, if you have any questions, if you're African and you need um, some sort of community support, you can always reach out to me as well on Instagram or via email, and I'll be able to, to help all um, direct you, send you to the right direction. Yeah. And be making sure, of course, to check out uh, Kiki's videos on YouTube, which are wonderful. Um, and donate blood, everybody. Oh, yes. Please do donate blood. I, w- I was just thinking what would have happened to me if I needed a blood and there was nobody to give it to me. So please, please donate blood. And if you're also watching this, I'm saying this specifically to my African brothers, sorry, sisters. If you when Please do remember to um, have your smear test. The I don't know how you guys call it in the states. Is that the same thing? For cervical cancer. Yeah. What you're talking about a pap yeah. smear. A pap smear. Yes. Please do um, do that. Please, please. Um, I've spoken to a lot of girls who are sexually active and they have not never had one, and they have obviously the right age to have one. Please do have that. Let's stop cervical cancer. Yeah, let's all take care of our health and our bodies. Yeah. That's wonderful. Any other thing that you want to share from your heart? Anything that I w- that you wish I had asked you that I didn't? Not really, not really. Um, oh, yes, I forgot something that has been doing my head in, but I want to share. Please. I, 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 I have, I've, I've been noticing a particular trend happening where a lot of people have been saying things like, oh, I'm putting my first this se- myself first this season. It's you know I, I'm taking time off for myself. I am. It's all about self, which I really applaud that. But what is problematic is that we are expecting people to be there for us to make sacrifices, but we don't want to make those sacrifices for them because of this trend of putting myself first. I'm not criticizing the trend, you know. Taking time for oneself is really, really important. But you also have to understand that other people are taking time off for themselves when you need them sometimes. 
You understand? Don't do one thing and then expect people to do another. You understand? I think it's 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 the beauty of having someone care for you is when I'm not saying that you do this all the time, is when they even do when they make sacrifices for you. You understand? But I feel like we have become a very we've 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 become a very selfish community. I don't know if I'm saying this because I come from a, a very communal, I had a very communal upbringing, but I feel like we've become very selfish. It's all about me, 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 me. So even when it comes to somebody sharing their traumatic experience, um, we, 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 we are like, oh, oh, you're not, you don't have problems as much as I do. I've experienced this, I've experienced that, I've experienced the other one. You understand? Um, I, I have done it sometimes as well. I've had to catch myself doing it sometimes as well. For example, now, somebody living in New York, for example, saying, oh, I had my mom say something homophobic to me the other day. And then just because I'm African and I come from a place where people have to go to jail, and then I shut them down by saying, at least it's just your mom. You don't have to worry about the other things. You understand? I think we should be compassionate. It doesn't matter. People have issues, and those issues are big to them. You know. So if somebody is saying something, don't try to compare traumas. Don't try to make it about yourself. You know, give that person room to be able to express themselves. It doesn't matter if their trauma looks as small as compared to yours. That is still an issue to them. You understand? And again, like I said, me, 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 me is not working. I think we've become very selfish. Yeah, I think you're making a really good point. And probably all of us who come from individualistic, westernized societies should spend more time studying what it means to be a person that is more communally oriented. And maybe it starts just as simply with being a better listener. And when someone's listening, just understand fully the experience that they're trying to share with you and not make it about us and how our personal experience compares to that and whether it's bigger or smaller or more or less. That's not relevant. When we're being more communally oriented, we're really giving the other person the honor of just listening to them and taking it in and feeling what they've just said and honoring it. Yeah. What are some other ways that people that are uh, selfishly, individualistically, westernly oriented can be more communally oriented? One of it is being a better listener and not comparing ourselves. What are some other things we can all try and keep in mind? Oh, I, I want to say that um, not all Westerners are individualistic. Just because somebody is a Westerner doesn't mean they're individualistic. I've met very communal Westerners. Um, and sometimes Africans as well can be very individualistic, even though they have communal upbringing. Good point. Good point. Thank you for that. Good correction. Oh, one of the one of the things that I've noticed during this uh, COVID period, I don't know how you feel about the vaccine. I don't know if I'm scratching it really. <laughs> I don't know um, if this is, but it's just an example, by the way. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be vaccinated. I'm just saying it's an example. It's how in the list people are saying, this is not going into my body, it's my body, it's my choice. But then again, um, we, we're we all experiencing COVID as a community because it's not like you, if you get it, you're not passing it on to me. You know what I mean? So um, it's not about you, just you, it's about other people as well because your decisions tend to affect other people's decisions. You understand? So this is just one of the things. I'm not saying we should all get vaccinated. I respect, to be honest, I respect everybody and their ideas about this. I'm just simply saying it's one of the examples where sometimes things that affect the community, we make them about ourselves, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, when getting vaccinated, 
there could be risks to ourselves personally, but there's also risk to the society of letting a virus run rampant through the society. And that's another example of a way where making a decision, you know, if everyone else gets vaccinated and I don't, then I get to be safe because of everyone else's actions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, um, yeah. And an, another example of, uh, of obviously individualistic uh, people is within relationships, especially when those relationships are people from who had a communal upbringing. For example, now, if you're going out with a, if you, you know, um, dating a, an African girl, Cameroonian girl, sometimes she would have to contribute to us funerals of an uncle, of a this, of a that. But within individualistic society, that is, that's not the case because your money is your money and and that's it. But so sometimes people tend to struggle when they date from different communities. Right. It's like, hey, we need the money for the vacation. Why are you sending it over to your uncle? I thought we were saving this for ourselves. And you're like, no, this is how life is. We part- we, we, we support our family members when they're in need. Exactly. So a different understanding of what my money or my property even is. Yes. Exactly. And I'm not saying this to say that this is the right way of doing things and that's the wrong way of doing things. I'm simply saying that with this particular example is that you, if you're in that sort of relationship, you have to have that understanding. Because if you don't have that understanding, it's going to ruin the relationship. Because I have experienced that where I am in a relationship with somebody who is much more individualistic than I am. And um, things like this happen and I don't get the right support. For example, now an uncle passed and I'm like, oh yeah, it's just your uncle. But because I, 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 was, I was brought up with them. I lived with them as a community, you know. So my relationship with my uncle is a lot much closer than she would imagine in, 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 in an idealistic society. So, again, if you're with somebody that is from, has different backgrounds, then you should be able to factor that in as well, you know. Really important advice. Really beautiful. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you? Or? No. <laughs> ah, well, this has been so much fun, and I'm really grateful that we got to have this conversation. Thank you for your wisdom and for all that you're doing in the community and for all that you share and for just your beautiful spirit. I'm really grateful we got to connect and have this conversation. Thank you as well. Thank you. I, I came on the on the podcast very agitated because I'm moving houses, you see. <laughs> it's doing my head in, but you're very calm, so <laughs> I guess. I'm sucking a bit of that energy. I need it. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure meeting you, and I hope we could talk again soon. Very soon, please. When I move houses and everything clears, more conversations, please. Yeah, you have a friend in New York. Okay. All right, blessings. Thank you so much, Kiki. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, don't forget that womenwantingwomen.com is packed with free resources that can help you build your confidence and have more success with dating. While you're there, you can book a one-on-one coaching session with me to get my personal support in finding the love you long for. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. And I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.